now introducing Mr. Kawada himself, my dad. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're listening, however you're listening, this is Quantum of History. I am your host, Donnie Waldron. Welcome to another episode. Today's going to be a really interesting episode. Today we're going to talk about, is James Bond a psychopath? Is he a sociopath? And what types of coping mechanisms would James Bond use to deal with all the things he has to deal with? We're going to talk about a personal, I'm going to talk about some personal stories about myself um, having to go into life and death situations. I'm going to have a guest, Alex Lamas, who comes in, who can share a lot of personal things about what he's dealing with, his bouts with panic attacks and how he's dealt with it. And it's going to be all about how uh, each person deals with stress differently, whether it be, um, again, panic attacks brought on from childhood trauma. Uh, Alex is going to speak on that and what he's been able to do to combat those and it's a really intense thing uh, i'm going to talk about times when i've had to deal with um, almost killing someone or almost being killed and the mindset that you had to have going into it and the things that you had to deal with afterwards the decompression the the trying to deal with what the intense uh trying to deal with all those intense emotions that you have going through these situations so it's going to be a very interesting um topic and I think a lot of people are going to get a lot of things because we all deal with some sort of stress some sort of um, things in our life and this is really going to help I think a lot of people deal with it and think looks at things to outlet and just have something to listen to that know that everybody else goes through these same things so without further ado let's just go ahead and get right into the topic um, let's bring in Alex myself and just hit a discussion about is James Bond a psychopath But you know that she's watching She's laughing, she's turning, she's holding her tonic like a cross The room's suddenly spinning, she walks up and asks how you are Alright, so welcome back, Alex Lama. Very excited to get into this topic today because I think it's going to be, um, we're really going to get into the weeds today. It's going to be more of a depth topic. And I think people are really going to appreciate where we go and really be able to get things out of it. And we're going to do this in a two-part way. We're going to do first, is James Bond a psychopath? To do what he has to do, does he have to be a psychopath or a sociopath or have some kind of mental illness in order to do the things that he's tasked with doing? The second part we're going to be doing is uh, what kind of type, what types of coping mechanisms would James Bond need to have in order to wake up every morning and still want to face the day, having to deal with the things that he's done. And uh, so I want to welcome back Alex Lamas. He was in for the Thunderball episode, and I'm very excited to have him back again. Welcome in, Alex Lamas. Hey, thank you for having me back. So, yeah, I really appreciate this. And I had so much fun the last time. I had to think of a way to scam my way back onto your show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm certainly, I'm definitely... Definitely excited to have you on because, again, you were just great last time. So I'm very excited to see where we go with this. And you presented me with this topic, and uh, I just loved it. So we'll, we'll get started right into uh, what do you think? Do you think James Bond is a psychopath? Well, yeah. So that how this how this came about is I saw these videos. And it wasn't one. It was like three videos uh, saying that or exploring or asking the question, is James Bond a psychopath? You know, uh, because of his... Uh, lack of remorse when he kills because of his ability to put himself into danger without experiencing any fear or perceived fear, uh, his, you know, multiple sexual partners without close attachments. 
And, you know, there's that, that scene in Skyfall where he's in the casino and he meets the, uh, the woman Severine and she mm-hmm. asks him, what do you know about fear? And he says, all there is. Yeah. And yeah, so that was a key moment about exploring these ideas and these questions about, you know, is James Bond a psychopath? Do you need, what is a psychopath? Do you need to be, have some sort of, you know, what they call, uh, in, in, in clinical terms, I found out it's really called antisocial, uh, antisocial, uh, it's an antisocial disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, that the psychopath, sociopath are more pop psychology, psychology terms. Yeah, and especially when you have to kind of wait, is it, is it what he needs to be or is it something he's born with? You know, is it something yeah, that, because I think when you deal with disorders versus um, mechanisms, do you think James Bond was born of it? Or do you think that uh, the things that he's forced to do, like you said, by the time he's at, you know, movie 23 and novel, God knows what, he's dealt with so many things. Do you think that it's a, is he now a, made sociopath or psychopath is he a psychopath at all or do you think that he was kind of born into it and that he was just made for that job yeah well it's interesting to prepare for this show i actually consulted a couple of friends of mine who happened to be practicing therapists and i asked them about the uh, what's the difference between a sociopath and a psychopath and do you have to be a psychopath to put yourself into these situations and whatnot and they came up with uh, a lot of interesting answers. Um, psychopaths, they say, generally are born that way, mm. that they are born with the maybe the amygdala or that part of the brain that experiences emotions, especially emotions of fear and, and uh, empathy, just don't work. Yeah. Like, they're just not turned on. And not, not all psychopaths are necessarily violent. In fact, most are not. Uh, another psychological term is they just may be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think you can see the difference in many different incarnations of bond. If you look at Connery's bond versus Dalton's bond versus Roger Moore, I would almost make the argument Roger Moore's bond is the biggest psychopath. And people would may think that yes. that's weird. People would think maybe that's weird, but the way that Roger Moore kills and does his women, he's very much nonchalant about everything. I mean, he shows a complete utter lack of caring about the the people he kills or the women he beds. And that's, I think, more of a sociopath trait than the other ones, especially Craig, who is all up in his feels and is constantly burdened by it. And then Dalton, the same kind of way. It's very much a brooding, these things that I have to do, these burdens I bear. 100% agree. In fact, I was going to bring that up <laughs> as well. Because <laughs> when I was thinking about this this question, I was like, well, really, Roger Moore, I mean, if you, yeah, like, if you say James Bond is a psychopath, which James Bond? The book James Bond, Sean Connery, Roger Moore, Dalton, uh, yeah. um, Lazenby, Craig, you know, you know, because they're all different. They all have, they, they portray the, the, the characters quite differently. And if I'm going to label, like, any of them the most psychopathic, it would have to be Roger Moore because he's so <laughs> I think light-hearted. people would be very surprised to think about that, right? No one thinks of Roger Moore, the nice gentleman, as the biggest psychopath. But I totally agree. I think Roger Moore, of all of them, would be the biggest psychopath. Well, when I was talking to my friends about this, uh, my, my, my therapist friends, they were saying that psychopaths are the hardest to detect. They're mm-hmm. the most functional. 
They can have formed family relationships. They can function in jobs. But when they're like also criminals, they're the ones that are the most calculating. They plan the most. They're the most manipulative. They're the most secretive. Sociopaths, uh, on the on contrary, are usually not born. They're a result of environment, usually the result of abuse or neglect. And they're more volatile. They're more violent. They're more easy to uh, make react. They're not calculating. They're most, mostly impulsive. So they make mistakes very easily where the psychopath is extremely calculated. Mm -hmm. Like he can lie and manipulate and, and he's extremely charming. That's the other thing they say about psychopaths is that psychopaths can be extremely charming. I mean, these are all the things, that, I mean, you talk about all the, these are all the things that Bond has to do. So do you think that um, it's, it's a mentality as far as all the things he has to do that he has to create this persona? Or do you think that it's more, um, I'll, I'll, I have kind of two answers to this question too. Do you think that he's learned to do this and it's something he's able to do? but he's burned by it? Or do you think that it's something that's just part of who he is and that's why he's so good? Uh, I think we have to see, okay, which bond? Is mm -hmm. is is Roger Moore's burdened by it? I don't think Roger Moore's burdened no. by anything. <laughs> no, he doesn't care at all. He just, he does, he doesn't care at all. He does what he needs to do and he's having a good time doing it. And to mm -hmm. me, that's the most seductive, yet the most dangerous. Mm -hmm. um, clearly, Dalton and Craig are burdened. Clearly, they have a conscience. They're also the, the two that I would say are the ones that, well, also, and also uh, Lazenby, because they're the ones that fell in love. And clearly, the, the, the book bond is very much in the, in the line of um, Dalton and Craig. He's uh, very especially burned. Dalton. Especially by the time you get to very the last couple books, he's very yeah. beaten, brought, everything, he's, he carries a lot of scars. He constantly waits well, to do on this anymore. Yeah, I'm on Her Majesty's Secret Service right now, so don't no spoilers. Yeah. What a snooze of a book! People love that book. I ugh. really, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it's, it. When he but, when he does, when he gets to the the explain the the College of Arms and all that, and even when they get the big reveal at the end of the plot, it's like, oh my god! It's so, I know people love that uh, book. It's a snooze fest for me. <laughs> but anyways, um, however, be that as it may. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, there was like, I can't remember which book, but where he kills and he doesn't like killing. And he even says in the book, I don't like killing. Yeah. Like he, 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 he expresses his distaste, his disdain for killing. So it's not, it is something that definitely affects him. So he's very much a, a three dimensional human being in the books. He falls in love. He doesn't always get the girl in the book. Mm -hmm. uh, I know in Moonraker, she kind of rebuffs him for another man. And he's like, shit. <laughs> okay have a nice but he's not totally broken up about it he's like you know no. he wants the best for her he's like okay we'll have a great time and yeah i think that's where it becomes hard is when you're not built with that so people try to say that he's a psychopath and all this i, I think that he's there's a shelf platform and you see that a lot of times in people that worked in especially when finding new guys who had to do these horrible things and to kill so much in the world in world war ii they're burdened by it like they don't that haunts oh, you yeah. like when you go into a situation yeah. and you have to kill somebody or you have to have a mindset where you're ready to kill somebody, um, you can yeah. be burdened by a great deal, especially going back and having to deal with it afterwards. What do you think he has to do? What do you think he does to have these coping mechanisms to go into it? Well, that's, a, that's an interesting question because that brings me back to where, um, where, where I also get interested in it. Because when I started 
my martial art training, my Kung Fu training. I wanted specifically Chinese martial arts and Kung Fu in particular, probably because of the 1970s TV show. They had the Shaolin Temple and it was, you know, draped in a bit of this mysticism and Buddhism. And that just really appealed to me. The other aspect of it's not just fighting. There's a whole other realm to how do you build, not only build your body, but build your mind. And when I started my, when I found my Sifu, he was a genius in the physical aspects and the physics of, and the, and the science of martial arts. The guy was on an unparalleled genius about this. Um, in terms of the, in terms of the mindfulness aspect and the meditation, he had, he had no training in it and he really, yeah, he didn't even have that much of an interest in it, but uh, mm-hmm. a little bit of an interest, but he wasn't really, that wasn't his thing. So I had to seek that somewhere else. And there was a local Buddhist temple that I went to called Zhuangyan Monastery, and they had open meditations for um, anybody. It was conducted in English. And so I started going there. And as a result, I became very, very, very interested into Buddhism and to the point where now I still, you know, you don't want to say I am a Buddhist because that negates the Buddhism, um, but I practice Buddhism and I've been practicing Buddhism as long as I've been practicing martial arts. And in a sense, Buddhism in its more, in its less spiritual form, there are many ways to practice Buddhism, is probably, or the Buddha, I could say, was probably the first psychotherapist. He was probably the first person in history to try to understand and take apart the human mind and how the mind works, what's going on in a person's mind and how to overcome, you know, as the Buddha would say, you know, what he teaches is suffering, the nature of suffering and how to overcome suffering. And that's it. That's literally what Buddhism is. It's about suffering and how to overcome, how to transcend suffering, nothing more. And that when, when asked, when the Buddha was asked what he does, that's, that was pretty much his answer. Um, one of the things I can say is that for most of my life, I have dealt with uh, panic attacks, anxiety, and depression. And when I was younger, probably for most of my uh, childhood and young adult life, I had severe panic attacks. Uh, my heart would be racing, I'd get shortness of breath, tunnel vision, I'd collapse. I couldn't breathe. My 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 people would put their hand on my heart and they'd be like, oh my God, you know, because the heart would be going mm-hmm. like that, like, you know, uh just racing, you know, this burst of adrenaline would happen. And for years I thought it was a heart attack or some sort of heart problem. I went to countless doctors checking my and they're like, you know, your heart is, is Strong and healthy as anything. I have no idea. Nobody knew. Nobody said you're having a panic attack. And it, and about a year, year and a half into my kung fu training, and also the meditation that I was doing, went away, never to return. I never had a panic attack again. And it was a couple of years later when I was in therapy, um, and I described this event. The therapist was like, "Oh no, that's a panic attack." Yeah. I'm like what? You were having panic attacks. That's classic, clear signs of panic attacks. So it's amazing how that how effective because she said, well, you know, there are several therapies for panic, panic disorders and panic attacks. And it's 
you know, two of the best are meditation and exercise. What is Kung Fu? Meditation and exercise yeah. combined. <laughs> it's so amazing. Like, so I many people are unwilling to, so many people, or so many, I don't know why the, the health industry, I don't call it an industry because it kind of is with big pharma and everything, but they're so not willing to just say the answers are not always the easy answers. So it's not always a magic pill. There's not always a one thing you can do. A lot of times the simple answer is to meditate, exercise, and put down your phone and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I inadvertently did it myself because I wasn't using, I didn't know Kung Fu would be uh, not the, the answer for me, but an answer. Mm. Um, at the time, it just, that was the result of what happened. And it's been, and since then, doing Kung Fu, Qigong, Tai Chi, uh, and medit and sitting meditation has been part of the key uh, tools that I've had to manage my anxiety. I mean, I still have minor anxiety moments because, you know, from the therapy, they had diagnosed me with a, a general anxiety disorder. Uh, this was a result of, of, of my childhood. I had suffered some severe violent episodes in my childhood. Um, some, a couple of them were from, from I'm not going to get into the gory details, but a couple of them were from at home and they were also at school. And the ones at school were also, yeah, there was bullying because I was small for my age. Uh, this is middle school, I would say, uh, which is horrible for everybody i'm sure you've had you have middle school traumas oh, i don't I think there's that, a yeah. person alive that yeah it doesn't so you know so there was you know and i was you know because i was also dyslexic i am i am dyslexic and i had and at the time i did was an undiagnosed dyslexic so i thought i was just stupid and you know as a result there was bullying you know pushing and throwing your books down and excessive teasing and you know, throwing you into a locker or that kind of thing, tripping you in the hallway. But there were a couple of occasions where I was violently assaulted. This wasn't bullying. It was like all on attacks. And I was almost sent to the hospital a couple of times where I was sent home with covered in blood where, yeah. you know, I was on the ground fighting for my life, people pummeling and kicking me on the ground. And, you know, as a result, you know, this did lead to, a life of dealing with anxiety, depression. And, yeah, I mean, you can, uh, you can see how something like that would definitely bring on panic attacks and things like that. We talk about something that you went through clearly brought on some kind of trauma and it was involuntary. And we're talking about like what Bond goes through. It's voluntary. He's, he's not involuntary doing, but he's going through the same things. And I'm sure he has not quite the same thing, but these same harboring things. Do you think that something like James Bond would have to do something like Buddhism or what do you think else he would have to have to deal with all the killing that he does or all the violence he has to do or all the women that he has to lose or move on from? Well, in the book, he drinks a lot. <laughs> and that's, that's the thing. <laughs> that seems, some, you find in so many professions. That, therapy. Yeah. I mean, you find so many professions that's high intensity that, that don't have the good coping mechanisms that the bottle and the women are the, are the two instantaneous yeah. fixes for it and you find it so much in, in in so many different especially in it's kind of that kind of field yeah and if you think about like ian fleming ian fleming lost his father at a very young age he had bond become an orphan at the very uh, pretty much the same age um ian fleming you know uh, i don't know how much trauma because he didn't really see a lot of action in the war but he knew 
a lot of guys who saw action um, and sent a lot of guys to their death. I mean, that was his mm -hmm. job. Um, so how do you cope with that? You know, so in the 1950s, they didn't really have a lot of therapy. They didn't really go in for that kind of stuff. So a lot of their therapies were like sex and sex and booze. Yeah. Dr. And, Martinis, right? <laughs> yep. So that was, that was the answer. Just you know, stiff upper lip, get a stiff drink and, you know, get laid. <laughs> <laughs> that you'll be, you'll be right as rain in the morning. Probably not the best way to handle things, and it probably won't make you effective in the long term. So, you know, what does one do? I mean, you are you are a right now on the police force, right? Mm. And you were a you said that you were a um, border patrol agent down in New Mexico. Yep. Or Texas. New Mexico. Yeah. New Mexico. Yeah. So you were faced with some of the. I mean, you. You know, when I was listening to those drug cartel, you did these, these drug cartel shows and they were very popular. And I think one of the reasons why they were very popular is maybe you had a more personal encounter with this. You had a personal, uh, yeah. I mean, you, I there, yeah. these guys. you were there, you were on the front line of the drug war, I would assume. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you talk about it much? Oh, I, you know, the, the Border Patrol, I had experiences where, of course, like you're you're by yourself in the desert. You don't have a flashlight. You're walking in the middle of the night and then you're going to encounter six to 30 people by yourself. And you have to walk in there and you have to have the mindset of when I go there, I'm here to task and there's nothing that's going to stop me. And if I have to kill somebody, I have to kill somebody. You have to have that mindset. It wasn't as bad until I got to um, Baltimore. When I, when I got here, it became a, a, an inner city um, the most dangerous city, one of the one of the top five, always almost the, the top one dangerous cities in America. You kind of have to really deal with your mindset because there um, there was violence, but it wasn't what it was like in these big cities. I mean, there was there have been times when you're in an alley, um, just you and another person who's already shot and killed people. You already know they're a murderer. And they've got a gun. You have to somehow get that gun off of them. And I remember rolling in alleys. Well, it was one particular time. Guy was laying on it. He had already tried to pull it. So I knew that he had a gun. We went in there to try to move on. Um, ended up getting in a foot chase and everything goes awry because there's 50 people on the block and everybody's screaming. So I'm chasing this guy. I'm by myself. Turn the corner into an alley. He goes to pull the gun out. Um, magazine slips, but there's still one in the chamber. So I already know he's trying to, he, it, it's life or death now. Turn the corner, get into the spot, and uh, he goes to turn and, and fire at me. I'm able to meet him right at the same time, tackle him down, and the gun is underneath him. And I mean, that moment, the things that are going through your mind, you've already known straight ahead, no no bullshit, life or death. And I have to have an idea that I've got to, I got to be ready to kill this guy or else I'm going to die. So you get into that mindset and you get in there. And so we're laying on the ground and then I've got him face down trying to, and I very calmly, very calmly whispered in him, told him as we're fighting over the gun, I said, the next move you make is very important because I will fucking kill you. And I told him to that just the, just the way as I'm talking, just like that, very calmly. Because I, I wanted to think that it was at that point when you're in those situations, if you're yelling and screaming, it's everything becomes so tunnel visioned and you don't hear the noise. You have to very much tell him. 
And uh, he wouldn't. He still kept trying to turn, so I had to keep pinning him down, pinning him down. No one really knew where I was. We are literally fighting in trash in an alley. Like, literally, it's just we're covered in rats and trash, and I'm fighting for my life. And there's no point in my life I'm going to die in an alley in, uh, surrounded by rats, right? So you deal with this, and you get into that situation. And finally, I was able to I, – I grabbed his arm, and I basically was like, I'm going to – uh, this, this is my arm now. I will break this fucking thing off because I'm not going to get shot. So I ended up getting getting him separated. People finally found me, helped me get separated from the gun, got him under control. And then afterwards, you deal with it, you set, you're all set to make the arrest, and you kind of just have this giant adrenaline dump. It's like this giant like well of just like everything that you just had with those emotions. Just You don't even know what to do with it. There's no place to displace it. You have now just literally almost died and fought somebody and almost killed somebody and told them I, I, I wanted to give him every situation where I, I was justified at no point, at every point to kill him. But I wanted to give him every chance I had not to have to pull that trigger. Eventually, thanks again to my size, to my ability and to my mindset, I didn't have to kill this person. I was able to, he, I saved his life and my life. Um, but if you're not having that mindset to go into it, then one of those is losing that is losing their life, whether it's him or whether it's me. Luckily, again, I was able to handle him, get it there. But afterwards, the dealing with that and the stress, it took it takes like a day or two to like fully decompress. There's the first decompression, which is like this huge exhale, this huge thing, and almost sometimes like when you really exhale, when you really had a moment like that, sometimes a couple tears will come to your eye, and it's just like this huge emotional just release. And then you calm down. You have to kind of like focus yourself because you still have to write up the reports. You still have to do all the reports. You still have to do the interviews about your use of force. Submit. You have to do all the things that you would have as if you were making a traffic arrest. To so get into that and then you go into that mindset. And then that night you go back and, uh, boy, you need a drink, right? And then you go in and you try to medicate with a little bit of drink. And uh, then the next day you wake up and you kind of more reflect. And it's like another thing where you have to like, and then you go into work the next day. You probably worked that day. I probably worked 18 hours straight just to, to get by the time wow. you're done doing everything. So you get three, four hours of sleep and you're back at work and then you're doing the whole thing over again. And I was on a, a unit where it was a high pace unit where we were out there all the time chasing people, fighting people, all this other stuff. So you don't have a good time to decompress. And uh, I wish at the time I had more, this was a two, three years ago. I wish I had more of a sense of, the meditation or things like just taking like 30 minutes to just have a good inhale rather than going home, drinking a little bit, watching a little bit of Netflix and then going back. So I think that things like this, you talk about what bond would do or what you would have to do or things that you have. I think that these techniques are so important because without it, you medicate with women or alcohol and you learn so much to mask what you're going through, right? You're not going to talk to who you're going to talk to. I'm not trying to talk to some therapist. I'm not trying to talk to anything like that's not my, that's not what you're trained to do as this thing. You just move on to the next day. Today's a new day and you're out fighting people again. And uh, it does. It takes about two or three days to really, even now, like I can feel like the emotions of having to go through that. And I've gone through several instances of that doing this career of where um, this, this close one way or the other of uh, killing or being killed. And uh, it is, it's, it's, um, it's certainly a mindset. I, and certainly what Bond must go through, it must be, very difficult. 
must be very difficult for Bond to wake up every day. Not saying Roger Moore. <laughs> Roger Moore's a psychopath. We've established, all right? <laughs> uh, Roger Moore more like fine. Lazenby, Dalton, Craig. Yeah. And, and even Dalton. <laughs> Dalton does it too much with the, I am so brooding. That's not really how you do it. You, you put your face on, you swallow it, you move on. I think a Connery or um, Craig is, again, Craig. too much. Yeah, Craig... Craig does it too much and he, he falls, he looks too much into these women and stuff. But um, in Brosnan is kind of a mix of more and um, he's just his own thing. He's more of a cartoon character. Well, Brosnan has the highest death count according to uh, statistics. Yeah. I mean, he, he dual wields AKs, but he never, and never, even the, the violence in them never feels real. Like he, his, no. his portrayal of Bond is I really enjoy Brosnan, but his movies are very much a video game. And it very much reflects yeah. as if you're playing a video game and you're just shooting everyone uh, until you get yeah. to the boss level. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that that's certainly certainly what they would go through um, to answer your question in a very long way. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, wow, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I do have a couple of questions. So first of all, when you were like chasing that guy in the alley, why not just pull your gun and shoot? Well, because as you're running, you don't have if you if you're running full speed, it's very difficult. We were very close proximity, so the time difference between you need about to fully get your gun out and everything, you need about a second and a half. When you're running at full speed against somebody and turning corners and stuff, you don't have the time to to pull it out at that point. So as he turns the corner, I still can think I can grab him before I have to do the, the gun. And if I introduce another gun at that point, I could have, but again, now you've got two guns in a situation. Um, so it's like, you don't have time to fully get a gun out. If you're on a close proximity, people think that it's so easy. They say that if you, when you have like somebody charging you with a knife, if a person's coming, decides that they want to kill you with a knife, there's takes 27 feet for them running full speed at you before you can pull your gun out. And people don't realize that, and it's literally a person can cover 27 feet from where they are to where you are by the time you pull your gun and shoot. So it's, it's, uh, it's not always, if I didn't, if I had it out already, it would have been game on, but to pull it out and introduce it at that point, I just didn't have time. There's a very high suicide rate in both the military and the police force, mm -hmm. um, excessively high. Yep. And it's probably higher now than it's ever been. Um, you know, what, you know, you're there, you had mindset. What do you think the mindset is? What do you, for you, okay, personally for you, what was your mindset that you're able to walk in the desert at night knowing that there are drug dealers out there and you could be killed and you don't even have a flashlight. Yeah. You know, how do you, you do, know, how do you cope? How do you do that? How, how you does know, one like, get into that? I just have it. Like there's a part in there. I'll give you that example. There was a guy, he had a, we just found out he had a warrant for his arrest for murder. We knew he had murdered at least five people, probably six. One of the murders that he had, he shot a guy 13 times in the back alley, stripped him naked, and then shot his genitalia off just because um, it was supposed to be some junkie that had burned him on selling, giving him fake money. But the actuality is he didn't even kill the right person. He killed the wrong person. Wasn't even the right one. Um, but he had already killed five or six people. So we knew he was a stone cold killer. And, uh, so I set up a plan and we knew it a warrant. So I kind of set up the plan of how we're going to go in and attack this guy and, and get him. Cause we just heard from his confidential informant. He's out. Um, he's got a gun, but he's out. 
well, your job is to your job is to get this 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 killer. And the mindset is, I have a task. There is nothing that's going to stop me from doing this. So you, you think of a plan, and the build up to it as you're driving up and you're sitting in the car and you're getting the radio traffic, and that that's when all the nerves are. You feel you you feel nervous, but you have to you have to realize that there is a there is a task at hand, and then you get a mindset, you close yourself, and I kind of have this deep breath where I go. And I have to tell myself all the time, if I have to kill him, I have to kill him. Close it, task at hand, task oriented. And then the minute the door opens, so he's he's supposed to be on this corner where he always gambles. And uh, he uh, he was, he'd already bragged, I'm not going down, I'm, I'm going to shoot any cop that tries to get me. All right, cool. So we get him and somebody doesn't listen to my or- directions. Somebody goes down the wrong way. He sees the the cop. We were un- unmarked, but they all know what the unmarks are. He sees the car, starts walking away, tries to get in. Now, my, my original order was to have three people converge, get them, surround them, call it a day. Now, the whole plan has fallen apart because somebody didn't do the right thing. He's been tipped off. Now he's walking away. So now it's just me and my partner at the time. Now, at the point, we have a decision. Do we just let him go or do we go? And uh, I looked at my partner and I just, I just literally go, fuck it. He goes, fuck it. Put the car in park chase after him he, he sees me coming after him he goes to turn i just i don't even give him a chance i level him right into steps take him down put him in handcuffs uh and then that's it the, the thing's over a guy who killed six people five at least maybe six people it's over i had the mindset if he goes i'm killing him but that's the mindset and the sad thing is and the scary thing is now is that these new police officers are coming cannot have that mindset because they're so worried about let's if they saw that on youtube or if I was a 10 second clip on something on social media where I just come and I just level a guy, they're going to think police brutality, all this stuff, not knowing that this guy is, has already killed five people is known to have a gun. has already told, said he's killing any police officer tries to go down with them, all this other stuff. And I just mitigated the thing by simply tackling somebody. Right, that's it. Like, it's not like I pummeled him and I didn't do anything extra. I took care of business because I have a mindset. I have a tunnel vision and I'm getting this job done. Because that's what needs to be done. And then afterwards, you, you relax. Everything was fine. Everything's fine. He's in cuffs. He's in jail. He's um, serving jail time. He's good to go. But that's the mindset you have to have. And the sad thing and the scary thing is that it's being taken away from people. And you're getting all these officers who are now trained not to have that mindset. Not to have that mindset. That you have a job to do and you're dealing with dangerous people. You are getting judged by people who have only lived in suburbs their entire life. Who have never been in fights never had a life in this situation and they're looking at five, 10 second clips on YouTube and then judging you uh, or judging what you have to do. It's, it's an absolute insane thing because you're taking away the mindset that a person needs to survive. You can't take away James Bond's mindset and expect him to go in and fight these bad people. You can't take it away. And, and it's the mindset you have to have going in is that of an absolute predator, but you're not trying to do anything other than get the task done. It's not malicious. It's not violent. It can be violent if it turns violent, but it's not malicious. It's done for a beneficent purpose and the purpose of getting a job done. And somebody who has killed five people needs to go. So that's the kind of the mindset you have going into a task. I have, um, wow. So two things occur to me. One, you had the mindset that if I have to kill this guy, I'm going to. What I find interesting about that was did ever it occur to you that you could die? You know, we're doing that. The mindset, I could <laughs> die. I'm Weirdly, no, especially when you're in it. He like, could kill me. Um, not really. 
Uh, I always, I don't know. I have See, that to... would be my first mindset. <laughs> no. <laughs> the first I, thing really, I would think I... is like, holy shit, this guy could kill me. <laughs> yeah. Weirdly, I didn't even think about that until you asked me. But no, weirdly, that's not even a mindset at all. Like, I, I don't know. I See, that's amazing to me. Yeah, that, that's amazing to me. No, you have the, how, I, I just, I just have the supreme, I, I know I can win. Like, and I know I can win. So I'm not worried about that. Like, I don't know. I just don't even allow that thought. To, that, I won't, I, I won't even entertain that thought. I know I'll win. I know I can win. Um, but that, that was more my mindset about, I certainly didn't even think that he, I would die. I'm invincible, Alex. I didn't know if you, I don't know if you knew this, but. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that was true. Uh, um, I, I honestly do because, uh, yeah, that's amazing to me because, you know, if someone, you know, people who do suffer from anxiety, who do suffer from depression, anxiety, panic, the whole point of a panic attack is that, 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 um, uh, fight or flee response that, 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 that we all Mm -hmm. have. So the idea that you went into the situation and that wasn't a part of your mindset, how do you, did you develop this mindset? Was this mindset ingrained in you? Were you born with this? I think, I, I, just, I think I've kind of always had it. I think it becomes exacerbated under the situations. I think you get to hone it and um, get better at it. But you have to constantly, especially because you talk about the nervousness about the, it is nerve when you go up to these situations. The, 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 the hardest parts are, the quiet time, or if you're clearing a house and you know that there's somebody in there. Um, I've had this happen too before where there's a suspect hitting in a vacant house and you have to go through and clear the house, go step by step. You know, he's in there somewhere, but and then you find him, and then the fight's on and the quiet times as you're going through, that's the nervous part. But once the fight is on it, I'm not nervous anymore. I think the bond would have to go through the same thing. I think I think he has burdened by it. I think he goes through it. I think he has the same mindset where he goes in there knowing that it is a task. I'm going to get the task done. Um, and then afterwards, dealing with the psychological pressure afterwards, um, he's not very good at it. That's why he seeks solace in, in the drink and the women. Do you think that we've just conclusively determined, based on the things we've talked about, whether James Bond is a psychopath, sociopath, or neither? I would have to go, um, well, again, it's which James Bond? Um, I would have to go neither. Um, you know, like, mm-hmm. you, you know, you put yourself in these situations, but your first thought was, I don't want to kill this guy. I want to take, the, I want to conclude this situation without having to kill him. Mm-hmm. So that, that is definitely having empathy for the guy that you're taking down, whether and you I- want to classify that as empathy or not it is yeah and i think that you know if you did not have historically that empathy, you wouldn't think that yeah and i think historically through all the incarnations of james bond he's always he doesn't like to kill in cold blood he does it for a task because he has to because he's put in these situations yeah. where he has to and then as as a result of it he feels it so i don't think with the exception of roger moore we can all <laughs> i think yeah, the, title of, the title of this is going to be roger moore roger and moore maybe, and maybe yeah, and maybe Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> and maybe Pierce Brosnan. They're both psychopaths. But uh, I think in the majority, and I'll say 90% of the incarnation um, of what James Bond is, I think he is, without a doubt, not a psychopath, not a sociopath. He just deals what he has to do, and he has deep yeah. emotional trauma that he has to deal with. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, he has the task at hand. And, you know, um, I can't, I don't know if you know who Victor Frankel is. He was a psychiatrist and a neurologist. He had been in concentration camps. He was in three concentration camps. And he wrote a very famous book called um, Man's Search for Meaning. And, you know, one of the things that he's, he, he has this quote that I wrote down that to me kind of sums this all up. It says, in some ways, suffering ceases to be suffering at the moment it finds meaning, such as the meaning of a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I see James Bond, a character like James Bond, and yourself, you find meaning in this job. You find purpose, you know, in this job. And I think for the people who who are able to do what you do, what James Bond has done, you had a friend that was a Secret Service agent. And one of the things that kind of blows my mind about Secret Service agents is the fact that their job description is to put themselves in front of a bullet for the president. Yeah. Like their job is to literally take a bullet for the president, just to die for the president, possibly. So, I mean, just to say, I want to do that for a living takes an immense amount of commitment to an idea to, uh, to, have, a, to, to have meaning in your life, to say that my life means more. I mean, uh, this, this means more than my life. Yeah. This means more than my 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 own survival that's yeah. just that's call incredible it. yeah that's why i say what's more calling than anything yeah. i think we're good i think we're good here i think we really delved in i thank you so much for sharing so much of yourself thank you so much for diving into this topic i think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this and uh uh it was an hour but it went flew by my man so look forward to doing this again and uh thanks again for coming on Thank you so much for indulging me in this. And thank you for uh, letting me come back on. Like I said, I do this because I was, you know, hopefully somebody can get something out of this. Hopefully maybe somebody could see that they're not alone in these feelings. If they, if, if you are, you know, dealing with anxiety or depression or, um, uh, you know, uh, panic attacks, there is a way out. Um, I chose to, I'm going to make a plea for Kung Fu, um, but you have to get therapy as well. Um, but there is a way out without medication, uh, meditation, exercise, you know, martial arts was my, my road out of it. And, uh, hopefully somebody, somebody else, somebody else can see that as well. Absolutely. So, you know, that's my mission in life is to help people with Kung Fu is to give, make them use Kung Fu as, as a way to have people live a more actualized life. Well, you're doing great things, man. And uh, I love watching your Instagram, all the things you're doing with the Kung Fu and everything. So again, keep doing what you're doing. And uh, I think you're going to help a lot of people out with this one. So until Thank next time. Thank you so much, Johnny. All right. Take it easy. Thank you. If you like what you saw, then hit that subscribe button. Comment down below.